my name is Chelsea Sims. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So today we're going to be talking about acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, it is a modality that is, it's just my favorite modality that I have been trained in. Um, I've, I've received a bunch of training through a couple different avenues, which I'll tell you about so you can find out more. Um, today's uh, training is going to be an overview. Um, I'm going to write, try to really get into the spirit, the essence of ACT is how we call it. I know, I don't know if some of you are familiar with ACT being an acronym for other things like assertive community treatment, but um, I think that's what that stands for. Um, but in this uh, space today, ACT stands for Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. Um, to tell you a little bit about myself, I work for the Public Mental Health Partnership, PMHP. Uh, we are, uh, we collaborate with the Department of Mental Health to provide trainings like these, as well as technical assistance to uh, community mental health and outreach providers in Los Angeles County, uh, focused on FSP, full service partnership teams, as well as homeless outreach, mobile engagement, or home teams. So um, just give you a little background on where I fit into the landscape of your world. And then um, as far as my background, I am trained in ACT, uh, just did my own training on my own after I got interested in it when I was working in an inpatient mental health program in the uh, California prison system. And since then, it's been really transformative for me personally, um, as well as professionally because it helps me be able to provide better uh, services to my clients. So um, I feel very excited about talking about it with you today. And um, let's get into it. So the agenda here. So one thing I want to let you all know about acceptance and commitment therapy right off the bat is that learning it is all about experiencing it. So they always are talking about experiential learning and ACT is really about um, action, you know, helping folks uh, partake in actions that are in line with their values, that are, are helping them be in the world in the way they, they wanna be. And so um, it's really essential that we as providers who want to use these kinds of skills try them ourselves and, and internalize them as much as possible. And so I say that because we're going to start with an experiential warm-up, and it's going to be a guided meditation. Um, it's going to be about 10 uh, minutes long, and we're just going to jump in with that. I know it's right after lunch. I don't want you to get too sleepy, but I do want you to get kind of this overall sense of ACT as a whole before we go into the little parts of it. So that's going to be first. All right, so after we do that uh, warm up, we're gonna, I'll do a very brief history and even briefer uh, explanation of the theory behind ACT. Um, that's, you know, there's so much to say about it, but that's not what today is about. Today is really about getting a, a clear idea of what ACT entails. And then we'll do an overview of the core processes of ACT that I mentioned previously. Um, We'll talk about how those core processes can be uh, used both to enhance your own well-being, which I would say enhances our clients' well-being, and also how you can use those skills with your clients. 
um, what that might look like. And then finally, I have some resources to share with you for continued learning um, because I love to be trained and uh, I love getting training and knowing about what the, what's out there. So I wanna make sure you know what is available for ongoing development in this area. All right, so for experiential warm-up, I'm gonna do a little guided meditation. All right, so I'm going to uh, just lead you in this and feel free to uh, get into the best comfortable position for yourself uh, and just listen to my voice. All right, so <clears throat> please sit up straight and let your shoulders drop and gently push your feet into the floor. You wanna get a sense of the ground beneath you. And you may have already closed your eyes and that is totally great. You can also leave them open if you would like and focus on a spot in front of you, whichever feels better for you. It doesn't really matter. I just want you to feel comfortable. Just be comfortable. Now, just take a moment to notice how you are sitting. And notice how you are breathing. Notice what you can see, even when your eyes are closed. Notice what you hear. Notice what you can feel against your skin. Might be your clothing, the seat you're in, hand on a mouse. Now notice what you can taste or sense in your mouth. Notice what you can smell or sense in your nostrils. And notice what you are feeling. Notice what you are thinking. Notice what you are doing. So there's a part of you in there that can notice everything that you see, hear, touch, taste, smell, think, and feel. We don't have a good word for this part of you in our everyday language, so we'll call it the observing self today. You don't have to call it that. You can call it whatever you like. But now that it refers to your awareness, attention, and focus, this observing self. Life is like a stage show. And on that stage are all your thoughts and all your feelings and everything you can see, hear, touch, taste, and smell. The observing self is that part of you that can step back and watch the stage show. 
focus in on any part of it or step back and take it in all at once. Now, take a moment to reflect on why you came here today. There's something that matters to you, something that is important deep in your heart that motivated you to come here. Is it about improving your life, personal growth, learning new skills, building better relationships? Is it about improving things at work, with your clients, with your family, friends, coworkers? Or maybe it's about your health, nurturing your body or enhancing your well-being. Just do a deep search into your heart and clarify what values led you here today to this training. And now take a moment to reflect on how you got here today. We're talking about here in a technological way, how you got to this Zoom room here today. You didn't get here by magic. You're only here because of committed action. You had to organize the appointment. You may have had to reschedule some things. You had to invest time and effort and energy to be here. And chances are that getting here today brought up some uncomfortable thoughts and feelings for you. And yet here you are. And recognize that right now in this moment, you are taking action. You're sitting here in a chair doing an exercise that probably seems a bit odd or unusual. And you probably have all sorts of thoughts whizzing through your head and all sorts of feelings passing through your body. And there are all sorts of things you could be doing right now that are much more fun than this, much more urgent than this. And yet here you are taking action to improve and enrich your life. Now for the next few breaths, I'd like you to focus on emptying out your lungs, push all the air out of them until there's no more left, and then allow them to gently fill all by themselves. Really notice the breath, notice it flowing in and out. Observe it as if you're a curious scientist who has never encountered breathing before.
Notice how once the lungs are empty, they automatically refill all by themselves. You can take a deep breath in if you want to, but notice how there's really no need to. The breath just happens by itself. And I invite you now to undertake a challenge. For the next couple of minutes, keep your attention on your breath, observing it as it flows in and out. You will find this hard because your mind is a masterful storyteller. It'll tell you all sorts of interesting stories to grab your attention and pull you away from what you're doing. See if you can let those thoughts come and go as if they are merely passing cars, just cars driving past outside your house and keep your attention on the breath. Notice your breath flowing in and out. Notice your abdomen rising and falling. Notice the rise and fall of your chest. Let your mind chatter away as if it's just a radio playing in the background. Don't try to turn the radio off, it's impossible. Not even Zen masters can do that. Just let it play on in the background and keep your attention on the breath. From time to time, your mind will succeed in distracting you. It will hook you with a good story and you'll lose track of your breathing. This is normal and natural and it will happen repeatedly. The moment you realize it has happened, take that moment to note what hooked you and then gently refocus on your breathing. Again and again and again, you'll drift off into your thoughts. It's normal and natural, it happens to everyone. As soon as you realize it, gently acknowledge and refocus on your breath.
As this exercise continues, the feelings and sensations in your body will change. There may be pleasant feelings showing up, such as relaxation, calm, peacefulness, and there may also be unpleasant ones, such as boredom, frustration, anxiety, backache. See if you can allow those feelings to be exactly as they are in this moment. Don't try to control your feelings. Just let them be as they are, regardless of whether they are pleasant or unpleasant. And keep your attention on your breathing. Just return to the breath. This is not a relaxation technique. You're not trying to relax here. The aim is to let your feelings be as they are, to feel whatever you want, whatever you feel without struggle. So if you're noticing a difficult feeling, then silently say to yourself, here's a feeling of frustration, or here's a feeling of anxiety, or here's a feeling of boredom. Acknowledge it's there and keep your attention on the breath. So life is like a stage show or a play. And on that stage are all your thoughts and all your feelings and everything that you can see, hear, touch, taste, and smell. In this exercise, you dim the lights on the stage and you focus the spotlight on your breathing. And now it's time to bring up the rest of the lights. This breathing is happening inside a body. So now bring up the lights on your body, sit up in your chair, Notice your arms and legs, your head, your neck, your chest and abdomen. And your body is inside a room. So now bring up the lights or a car, I don't know, but bring up the lights on the room around you and look around, notice what you can see and hear and smell and taste and touch. And notice what you're feeling. Notice what you're thinking. So there's a part of you in there that can notice everything. Whatever you see, hear, touch, taste, smell, think, feel, or do in any moment. Thank you. That concludes our warm-up. So would just love to hear any reactions. What did you think of that exercise? And folks are totally fine to put it in the chat or you can raise your hand and unmute. Relax, nice. Though it wasn't the point, but I feel more relaxed now that we did that too. Awesome, very nice, grounding, relaxing, it was good. Oh, a wonderful feeling of stillness. Took effort at first to focus, yes always. Um, what else? 
Oh, headache went away. Feeling attunement. Awesome. Thanks so much for that feedback. You know, breathing exercises are um, not always helpful for everyone, right? And I'm glad you brought that up. And I, I want to echo that and highlight it because it's true. Some people that can raise your anxiety, it can make it, you know, you feel like, oh, I can't actually control my breathing or all this, all those things. So that's really important. Something I, I probably should have stated beforehand. Um, I'm glad that the relaxation reframe in there helped, helped turn that around for you a little bit. Um, and I wanted to also respond to some of the content in the chat here. Um, thinking about all the work I should be doing at times anxious. Yes, totally. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that's real. And I imagine many share that thought. Um, this is a waste of time. What are we doing here? Um, and it's really great to notice that you're thinking that and just kind of maybe creating some space. Uh, Winnie said slowing down. Uh, Michael, uh, started with a busy mind, many to-dos for today, but slowed and calmed. Excellent. I'm glad you're able to slow and calm. That's the, that's a trick. What else do we have here? See, it was fine. I don't know that I would choose it midday. Fair point. I appreciate that. Uh, it was a risk. I did this uh, midday. Um, and I, I hear you. <laughs> so, and I like how you said, be like a scientist that just discovered breathing. Yeah, it gets to that like uh, beginner's mind um, concept. And deep breathing is not always easy. Well, that is very true. Not a waste, just hard to be. Yeah, it's hard to be. It's hard to be in the present moment and detach from everything else and just be here. So thank you all for doing uh, the work to be here today. Um, I like the comments about thoughts and feelings being on a stage and chatter as a radio in the background, but don't turn it off. Yes, we should just let it be. Um, that is awesome. Yes, um, that's one of the things I love about ACT is that we use a lot of metaphors in it. So you know what, let's get into it. What is acceptance commitment therapy? I just kind of gave you a preview of all the different core processes so that when we talk about them, hopefully you can tap back into that exercise we just did and it, it'll help you kind of understand what these different processes of ACT are. Um, you said, I've been feeling so overwhelmed. This helped me feel that it can be manageable. Just need to slow down and feel it as it comes and goes. Oh, you gave me goosebumps. I love that. Yeah, we all need to do that. Slow down and feel it as it comes and goes because it does. Um, all right, excellent. So let's get into it. So before I tell you what ACT is, I'm gonna get this history stuff out of the way because honestly, it's not my favorite part of what we were talking about here. So I'm gonna just give you an overview and give you resources so you can look into it more. Um, but acceptance and commitment therapy was developed uh, by uh, Professor Stephen C. Hayes in the mid 1980s. He's still heavily involved in ACT, does a lot of research and training on it. Um, it evolved from the behavioral analysis field, specifically functional contextualism, which um, if you would like more information, I suggest looking more into it. Um, but it, what's interesting is that uh, ACT comes from like behavior uh, activation kind of uh, frame of mind. So we're really trying to get into action here. And so uh, it's based on relational frame theory, which uh, is a way of understanding how language impacts um, uh, cognition and behavior. And so when you think about how we might uh, 
develop language in a way that isn't always concrete, like it's not always exactly related to reality, you can kind of understand how our minds might uh, leap to conclusions that aren't based in reality sometimes. There's much more to say about RFT. I'm not the best person to talk about it, so I'm not going to spend too much time today, but I just want you to know that this is a, uh, a modality grounded in theory, um, and in a lot of, there's a lot of evidence for it too. There's, uh, they've done tons and tons of uh, studies showing that acceptance and commitment therapy has just a bunch of benefits for a lot of different issues, a lot of different types of people. Um, and so, um, yeah, we'll move on. So ACT is part of a third wave of behavioral therapies. Others include dialectical behavioral therapy or DBT, uh, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy or MBCT, compassion-focused therapy or CFT. Um, and what these all have in common are these three, uh, three things on the side here. We've got acceptance, mindfulness, and compassion. And we're really going to get into what we mean by acceptance in acceptance and commitment therapy, because it's, uh, there's a lot of nuance. Uh, you can't just see the word and think, oh, I know what that means. You just like get over it. No, I mean, that's not preview. That's not what it is, but, um, but what we, we have, you know, in, in DBT, we have radical acceptance um, and mindfulness is a big skill uh, in DBT as well as these other therapies. So ACT is alongside these others. They've developed uh, after CBT and kind of take different elements of CBT and look at them in a different way. Um, and there's much more to say about that, but we're, I wanna get into the meat of what ACT is. How does ACT compare to CBT and DBT? This is how I think about it. So when I, my cheat sheet way, cause that's how my brain works of recalling easily what CBT is, cognitive behavioral therapy. I think of a handout that I used to use that was called catch it, check it, change it. I don't know if any of you have used those worksheets or led groups using that kind of language. If not, I'll just give you a little uh, explanation. Basically, in CBT, you want to catch an unwanted thought or feeling. You want to check it to see if it's accurate or true, or if it's missing anything. You know, there's a lot of investigating the thought and then maybe trying to adjust the thought so that it's more reality based, less, um, I get, yeah, change it so it's more reality based, less. Uh, harsh a lot of times, um, more accurate. And that's, that's part of CBT. When I think of ACT and comparing it to that process, you do start with the same idea of kind of catching and looking at your thoughts and feelings. But uh, what we, instead of changing it, what we're doing in ACT, and this is what I find very different from CBT, is we're trying to pivot towards something else in line with our values and let the thought be, which I think you can maybe understand based on the exercise we did before. Um, we don't necessarily need to follow all our thoughts around. We do it a lot out of habit and just because we're stressed and that brings these thoughts over and over again. 
And what I was drawn to with ACT was this idea that I don't have to, like I've, I've tackled all those thoughts and feelings and I was feeling frustrated in my own personal experience in life that a lot of these issues uh, kept coming up again and again. And I felt really frustrated. I can't change the thought I have about myself or about something. What do I do? And ACT to me gave me another opportunity that you can you can have these thoughts and instead of like instead of helping them to grow or instead of trying to like, kill them you can instead just let them be like the background radio um, and instead refocus your attention on what matters most to you um, so that's a little bit of a comparison if other folks have more experience in CBT and act and have other ideas of how they compare feel free to put it in the chat because um, it, you know, this is a learning environment. We all have a lot of knowledge, uh, certainly not just me in this room. Okay, dialectical behavioral therapy. We have some trainings on this through PMHP. Um, really great with Maggie Mullen. Um, I learned a lot from her in that training. Um, it's another of the third wave behavioral therapies that I mentioned before. Uh, it was designed by Marsha Linehan, who has borderline personality disorder. She designed this for people with borderline personality disorder. The focus uh, can be on coping with emotional dysregulation. Like that seems like one of the priorities to me from a novice at DBT. Um, whereas in ACT, um, where the, the focus is a little different, it's not... Um, we're not targeting uh, emotional dysregulation to treat, which I, I think is more where DBT leans. Um, in ACT, we are just trying to uh, increase our acceptance of these feelings and uh, change our actions afterwards. So they're, they're related, you know, they could probably both be used with a, the same client in different scenarios. Um, but one thing to say about DBT is that it is only considered like a true DBT if it is in a big group where uh, there are group sessions and individual sessions, and there are a lot of requirements to have a true DBT uh, program. So just to, that is different from ACT as well. And then acceptance comes up. We have radical acceptance in DBT, which is a wonderful concept and has a slightly different nuance than acceptance in ACT, but they are similar, very similar and can build on each other, I think. Ah, I love that symptom reduction, traditional CBT versus changing our relationship to symptoms. Ah, oh, that's great. Awesome. Okay, so what is ACT? So I mentioned this before, ACT is a behavioral therapy. The focus is on action. Um, but what makes ACT different or what makes ACT super fun, I think, is that action is driven by deepened understanding or connection to what matters to you. So in some of these slides, I've put in parentheses some of the core processes that we're going to talk about. Um, so the action, I should have put it here as committed action and act is what it's called. But um, in order to be that action is driven by your values. So what's, how, do we, how do we activate behaviors that get you to be the kind of person you wanna be that, that um, play into what you stand for in life, uh, who you wanna be remembered, what you wanna be remembered as when you're gone. Um, 
or how you want to treat yourself, others, or the world. These are all questions that can get at values. Um, and the reason values are so important is because when we're acting in line with our values, it's just better uh, for us emotionally um, and is uh, puts us more in line to achieve goals. Um, in addition to values, action is also fueled by, so action is driven by values, but fueled by mindfulness. And they call it contact with the present moment and act. And this is um, conscious, intentional action. So not, you know, your mind's not on cruise control. That's not the right, what do we usually say? Something else. But, um, you know, you are, you're, you're intentional, you're conscious, you're aware, and you're open to your experience. And the goal of ACT is mindful values-driven action, which is called psychological flexibility. Autopilot, thank you. Oh my goodness, it just, cruise control works, I guess. <laughs> thank you. So psychological flexibility sounds great. Um, first, I'm gonna talk about what being psychologically inflexible might look like. And I think we can all relate to these uh, at some times in our lives. So this is called the hexaflex. Um, you don't need to know that it's just a word I cannot remove from my brain. <laughs> and this is like the anti-hexaflex because these are the things we are trying to uh, shift. Okay, so when we're inflexible psychologically, we have inflexible attention. So maybe our attention is grabbed by our um, our, our mind telling us like, they're judging you for what you're saying. So then you forget what you're saying. That's something that happens to me. Um, or you might not be able to focus your attention on something that is meaningful to you because of the pain that's coming up. You're trying to avoid it. Um, and so maybe instead you're playing a video game or watching TV or eating a lot of food or drinking alcohol, you know, all kinds of things we do to distract ourselves. So that's the attention piece. Then we have unclear values. So when we don't know what our values are, it's hard to uh, have action that's driven by them. And um, we all have values. It's just sometimes they're not as uh, in the front of our mind. And so part of ACT is getting them to the front of our mind, but they're connected to our actions. Um, and we're just like in this mindful present moment with um, what we're doing. Uh, and then you see I'm going clockwise around the circle, actions not directed by values. So like I was talking about before, you might engage in behaviors. And I'm saying you a lot because we, I really am focusing on um, each of us as people who can uh, relate to these before we talk about using this with clients. So I just want to say that again. Um, but so actions not directed by values might be those autopilot actions, cruise control actions. Um, they might just be uh, inaction, right? Not doing things. Then we have attachment to conceptualize self. That gets a little uh, heady to talk about, but this uh, has to do with maybe uh, being limiting in how you view yourself, uh, having an idea of how you, who you are, that is not um, encompassing of all of you. And it'll make more sense in a minute. We have cognitive fusion. I'm gonna talk more about that. That's when we get into these ruminations and we get hooked by thoughts and feelings that we just wanna get away from. 
And when we get away from them, we do this experiential avoidance. We avoid experiences that bring up things that cause us pain. That could be physical pain. That could be mental pain. Um, social pain. I don't know if that's a thing, but it could be that too. So these all are things that we all do, but there are other options. And, you know, I also want to normalize that as someone who has been trained in ACT um, and been working on it myself, I still do a bunch of these things. So, you know, nobody's doing anything 100% perfect all the time because we're all human. Um, so what do we get when we uh, try to shift these? We get psychological flexibility. Um, and so these are the ACT core processes. There are six of them. Uh, we have contact with the present moment that was contrasted with our inflexible attention before. We've got values uh, contrasted with not really knowing or unclear values. We've got committed action, uh, which means we're thinking about our values when we're engaging in behaviors um, and really using those values to steer the ship. Self is context is a little bit about how the stage show metaphor that we were talking about, that I uh, talked about in our uh, warm-up. So kind of understanding that there's a part of you that is experiencing everything, that is noticing thoughts, is noticing feelings, that noticed that dog down the street when you were a kid, that noticed you know, there's a, a constant you. And so that um, we'll get more into that, but that's kind of the idea there. And that, so that we don't see our thoughts as uh, our, who we are. Um, diffusion is a way to unhook from those thoughts where you are getting caught up in uh, thoughts and feelings that you uh, want to get rid of really badly. <laughs> and then acceptance. And acceptance is, what was the contrasting one? Experiential avoidance, yes. I always have to remind myself because I get acceptance. And mindfulness, sometimes I get them confused because they all layer with each other. Um, but acceptance is uh, kind of what a lot of you are expressing in the chat, like being able to get through that warm-up despite um, having those thoughts of, worrying about what else you need to be doing at work or worrying about, um, you know, that, oh, I should be relaxed or I should, I, whatever, all of those things, those being able to commit and stay in that uh, process, despite those uncomfortable, sometimes painful feelings, that's acceptance. You're, uh, instead of turning away from that pain, you're turning towards, you're in it and you're, um, you're no longer avoiding. And so those, that's a very short overview. And then I'll, I'll get into some more details. All right, so acceptance, open up. Um, there are little, little catchphrases for each one that I've put on the slide that help, um, that other people have used. Um, I didn't come up with them. They're used in many different ACT resources. Um, but it helps me really hone in on, on what these core processes are. And let me just say, you don't have to understand, like the point of today is not to be able to recite all these off, you know, later, just kind of getting a sense of, of what these components are 
um, so that in the future, if you would like additional training on this, you know what to accept. So acceptance, open up. So instead of fighting, resisting, or running from unwanted private experiences, we try to open, be open to and make space for all of them. And so um, here's a list of these uh, unwanted private experiences, kind of funny language that they use in ACT. Um, but it's kind of a good umbrella term if you look at all those things that could be happening. We've got thoughts, feelings, emotions, memories, urges images, impulses, sensations. So, so many things uh, go on inside our, uh, in these uh, private experiences in our inner world. Um, and so acceptance is about opening up, um, allowing these to be there. And um, instead of trying to fight them, like I was talking about before. And so I have in this cloud image here, um, it says act metaphors. Um, and I have it a few times throughout the slides because one thing that's really helpful to me in act, and maybe it's because of how my brain works, I'm not sure, but um, is metaphors are used a lot. And so if you can use it to learn more about what is happening, imagine, I'm gonna just present to you this metaphor. Imagine you are in a tug of war with a giant monster over a pit that is, goes down to infinity with alligators at the bottom. You know, not good. You don't want to go in the pit. You're in a tug of war on each side of the pit. And every time you pull, the monster pulls harder and kind of pulls you closer to the pit, but you just keep pulling and pulling and pulling and you're getting closer and it's not working. And the monster seems to be getting stronger and angrier and bigger and more menacing. What do you do if you don't, if you don't keep pulling on the rope, and I wanna hear from you, what do you think you should do? And if you've done an act training, you probably know. <laughs> uh, let go of the rope, let go, let go. Yes, exactly. And to me, that imagery is really helpful in understanding, right? If you let go, he can't pull you anymore. He can't boss you around. He can't, you know, take you into the doom pit. Um, and so that can be, a great metaphor to use with clients too, in a way of, you know, kind of untangling from these feelings. Um, so of course, in the tug of war, the monster are the unwanted private experiences, thoughts, feelings, emotions, all those things. Um, so, and then the other metaphor that I think really uh, makes sense to me in thinking about acceptance is uh, quicksand. So, I'm not sure how many people know about quicksand. Um, I feel like we all know too much about quicksand, even though it's not like that big of a threat to most of us, but that's an aside. The thing about quicksand is if you get stuck in it, what happens? How do you get out? Are you, are you supposed to like just swim or, oh, the more you fight it, the more you sink. Do not say, be still, yes, exactly. So that's what acceptance and act is all about. It's letting go, um, stopping, dropping the struggle really, and just kind of letting go. <laughs> so um, something with relaxing, exactly. Yeah, I definitely would not. I would totally just think, um, but maybe after talking about it here, I'll, I'll be more prepared for my eventual quicksand interaction. Anyway, okay, let's go forward.
So another opportunity for some uh, feedback, uh, I'm gonna do another exercise with you, which you could also do with a client. Um, I would like to invite you, if you're willing, to identify a thought or feeling you tried to get rid of. In your head, you don't, don't share the feeling um, or thought. <clears throat> not because I don't wanna hear it, I would love to later, but not right now in the group. Let's just keep those thoughts and feelings in our heads that you've tried to get rid of and you can't. Okay, just think of it and when you have one, that's great. Hopefully folks have one. I'm gonna ask you to do something and this is going to be in the chat if you feel comfortable. So I'm curious and I think it's gonna, yep. What have you tried to do to get rid of it? And it's helpful to think in these four categories if you'd like, distraction, um, opting out, thinking, substance use, self-harm and other strategies. So I would love to hear so maybe I can give, oh, distraction, distraction. Mm -hmm. So if we can talk about the specifics, so what kinds of distraction do you all engage in? <laughs> lots and lots of thinking and dessert. <laughs> I love that. Justifying music. Okay, so distract, so music, that's a great example. You might just kind of get into the music and either play music, listen to music. Sorry, I lost, lost control of the chat. Where is it working more than I should? Oh, yeah, what's that? What do we think that is? Is that a distraction? Yeah, saying mantras to get my mind off it? Certainly. I mean, not, not, these are not all gonna be bad things at all. Distraction, our thoughts can be very powerful and sometimes we need to get creative in ways to get distracted, totally. Distractions, all of these things can serve us um, at different times. Self-talk, exercise, talking it out with someone and then getting fresh air, going for a walk, engage in a behavior, exercise, meditation, avoiding, trying to focus on what I have control over. Ooh, you're getting kind of acty there. I like it. Mind reading. Oh, mind reading. You gotta help me figure out how to do that because I've been trying so hard and for some reason I'm not always right. I don't understand. Uh, Jose running. Yeah. Taking walks. A lot of physical uh, disassociating with Buffy the Vampire Slayer or King of the Hill. Oh yeah. Hiking. Great. Okay. Engaging in art. Awesome. Okay. These are great. So we've got some positive things, right? We've got like music and art and creativity um, and hiking and and uh, and then we have maybe uh, overworking. I can't remember if you said you were, it felt like it was overworking. I don't wanna, I can't, I can't find it in the chat now, but um, overeating. Yeah, there can be things, you know, say uh, it's Friday night, you might uh, have a couple cocktails because you had a stressful week and you don't want to think about it, right? I mean, all of we might all engage in, in some of these at different times. Okay, next question. How has that worked? And, and let me know in the chat, how has it worked to do those things? Temporary fix, hit and miss. Oh, 
two temporary fixes, but the feelings come back. It hasn't worked. Okay. Nope. <laughs> it works for a moment, but thoughts come back. Yeah. Yeah. It's something we talk about with clients a lot, right? Like our short-term strategies are not always going to be beneficial in the long run. Um, and unfortunately, we develop a lot of short-term strategies, especially when we're uh, experiencing trauma or other issues. Um, okay. So some days I get angry all over again and other days I accept it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's inconsistency, right? Not, not well because ended up self-blaming. Mm-hmm. Side effects. Oh, side effects. Yeah. Depending on what you're doing here, that could, there could be some unforeseen consequences, right? Um, only works if I can replace the thought, which is not short-term. Some days I get in, oh, uh, superficial fix. Thanks. Awesome. Okay, great. So, you know, kind of doesn't always work. It might work in the moment. Can be really good for like crisis stuff, you know? What does it cost you? to do some of these things. Are, are there any costs associated with uh, any of these methods that you've used to try to get rid of the nasty thought or feeling? Have there been consequences? Love handles. I embrace all body shapes. That sounds weird. I did not mean it in a weird way. Uh, my time. Time and energy, time and energy, cost. That's a cost. That's a big one. Overspending, feeling burnt out, causing me grief. Other times it brings me peace. Yeah, okay, that's totally fair, right? Stress, negative effects on health. Into emotional quicksand. I don't know if anyone's a TikToker here, but I'm just thinking of the emotional damage guy, which I love him. Okay, physically draining. So, uh, it's, it takes a lot of effort to try to get rid of these thoughts. It's almost like you're in a tug of war with a monster, I might say. Um, and so what, what's that like for you? Um, you can put that in the chat. It seems like you've answered that question as well. And um, so this, ex so the reason I, I went through this with you is because act as an alternative, which I've already explained, hopefully this is not too, uh, redundant, but it is um, an alternative to using those four categories to deal with uh, thoughts and feelings. Instead of trying to get rid of them, we want to drop the rope and we want to uh, pivot towards other things that uh, we can do that are in line with our values. And in order to do that, we want to clarify what our values are. We want to be as in the moment as we can, as much as we can. Um, and a bunch of other things I'm gonna tell you about in a minute. So um, this exercise is known as creative hopelessness, um, and which sounds negative, but uh, the point of it is to explore uh, the fact that we are all trying so hard all the time, all the time, everyone, everyone in the world, we're all, having all these inner experiences that we're dealing with and we're trying to just live the best lives we can. And sometimes we try so hard and it doesn't even move the needle at all. Um, and so the point of this is to maybe 
like give ourselves a big pat on the back for all the effort we've put in so far in our lives and trying to manage this thought or feeling or many of them. Um, and you know, like it's, of course we've tried to distract ourselves and protect ourselves from the pain and the fear and the anxiety and the grief. Um, of course we've like just kind of disconnected and tried to isolate. Maybe, um, maybe we've just tried to think it, you know, I always make a joke like, yeah, I'm just going to worry about it. That'll help. I'll just worry as much as possible. And, you know, I'll find a solution. No, doesn't, but in my mind, my mind really thinks that sometimes. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so creative hopelessness is just an activity you can do with a client if you are doing therapy with them, um, or they're kind of like not buying into wanting, like they're not really buying into uh, wanting to move forward, like you're feeling a little stuck with your client, this can be an exercise you use where you, you ask what they've tried to do, you ask how it worked, what the costs were, what it was like for you, and then, and I didn't put this on the slide, but you really validate all that effort, because this person has put in so much work here, and that is really important, and we don't want to make anyone feel like any of this was, uh, has any shame attached to it, um, we want to normalize these things, which hopefully I modeled doing this exercise. Um, and so this is a way to help folks think, okay, what's the alternative then? You know, what can I do then? I'm, I am going to have a look at another act metaphor, this time presented by um, a different person, not me. Um, it's uh, Russ Harris. He wrote um, one of the books that I am quite fond of, Act Made Simple. It's in the references on this PowerPoint. Um, it's in the references to the PowerPoint. I really like that book. Anyway, here we go. All right, so this is a metaphor called Monsters on a Boat. It is another act metaphor that is used for acceptance. And so check it out. Have you ever felt lost adrift, not really going anywhere in your life, weighed down by difficult thoughts, feelings and emotions, struggling with depressing thoughts about not being good enough, anxious thoughts about all the things that are going to go wrong in the future, regrets, worries, painful emotions like sadness, anger, guilt, shame. Have you ever felt that way? It's a bit like this. It's a bit like all those painful thoughts and feelings are monsters. The depression monster, the anxiety monster, the anger monster. And you are adrift out at sea in a boat. And the monsters are beneath the deck. And they've made a deal with you. They've made a deal that as long as you keep the boat drifting aimlessly out at sea, not going anywhere, they'll stay beneath the deck of the boat so you don't have to see them. But the problem is, you're missing out on life. You want to head towards the shore. There's all these adventures there, all these things you want to do, all these important life goals. And so you put your hands on the tiller and you start heading towards the shore, pursuing your values towards important life goals. 
And the moment you do that, these monsters come rushing up from beneath the deck. Your anger, your anxiety, your sadness, your not good enough stories, all of those thoughts about how you've screwed up and how hopeless your life is and so forth. And they gather around you and they start screaming and shouting at you, which is terrifying. So what are you supposed to do? Now, if you put your hands on the tiller and head back out to sea, the monsters will disappear beneath the boat again. So there'll be a sense of relief. But now you're drifting aimlessly out at sea. You're missing out on life. So what do you need to do? What you need to do is put your hands on the tiller and keep heading towards the shore. The monsters will roar and bellow and shout and scream, but they have no power to physically harm you. It's impossible. They cannot physically harm you in any way. Your emotions, thoughts and feelings can't physically hurt you. All of their power lies in intimidation. If you believe what they tell you they're going to do, they tell you they're going to rip you to shreds, they tell you the boat's going to smash, they tell you your life is over, they tell you that you're a loser and you're hopeless, and if you buy into that stuff, then they've got lots of power. But if you don't buy into all of their threats and intimidations and stories, they lose their power. So keep your hands on the tiller, sailing towards the shore, pursuing your values towards your life goal. And you let all of those difficult thoughts, feelings, and emotions gather around you doing their monster stuff. And interesting things start to happen. You start to get a look at these thoughts and feelings in broad daylight. You start to see that these monsters are nowhere near as big as you thought they were. They are nowhere near as scary as you thought they were. They're still ugly. They don't turn into cute, pink, fluffy little <laughs> bunny rabbits. They're still ugly, but they're no longer scary. They lose their power. As they lose their power, some of them disappear. Some of them hang around, and some new ones appear. You get new monsters saying, you know, when you get to shore, there'll be other monsters ready to eat you. You'll fail. You'll screw it up. Your boat will smash on the rocks. And you let all of those monsters do their stuff as you keep your hands on the tiller, sailing towards the shore, pursuing your values towards important life goals, and you let the monsters do their stuff and you expand your awareness. You notice there's much more here right now than just these monsters. There's a whole boat here. There's a whole sky here. There's a whole sea here. There's fish dancing in and out of the water. There's mermaids on the rocks. There's beautiful sunshine breaking through the clouds and you appreciate the whole thing as you continue living your values, pursuing important life goals, hands on the tiller. Oh, thanks. Yeah, great, right? So necessary. I have a client who are stuck because they're scared of the monsters. They, me too. I've been very scared of those monsters. Uh, I love to think about it that way. So glad it uh, made sense to you all. Okay. Um, so what I love, one and another thing I love about acceptance commitment therapy is that there's tons of resources out there um, <clears throat> because ACT is so values driven. Um, they have kind of a different way of uh, dealing with uh, sharing the knowledge of ACT than a lot of other modalities that I've experienced. Um, and so for instance, 
You don't get like certified in ACT. You can become a peer reviewed, peer reviewed trainer. Or I think it's something, uh, the term they use. Um, and <clears throat> the other thing is a lot of people uh, who do ACT share what they do with everyone else who does it for free because of the shared value of this should be available as much as possible for everybody. So um, all that to say, lots of info available if you want more later. And Russ Harris has great videos um, and a great website with lots of handouts, really good client worksheets, stuff like that. So I recommend his uh, stuff. Okay. Boop, boop, boop. All right, so let's go in a little bit more on these core processes in our last uh, 15 minutes. So first we have contact with the present moment. You can call it be here now. So we already did acceptance. Now we're at contact with present moment. Um, this is a lot like mindfulness you already, I'm sure, are familiar with. Grounding, you know, where I think of like the little literal ground, like getting your physical body in the room or in the space you're in. Um, and the nuance I think comes in when we think about deliberate flexible attention to current experience. Um, and so we wanna be deliberate, like uh, we wanna be intentional um, about our intention, attention. Uh, confusing way to say it, but um, we want to be intentional, but also flexible because we can't just like, uh, we can't just focus on one thing and then move on to the next thing and then all the time, right? We need to be able to uh, move with our experience because our experience might change our now, our, our uh, current moment might change. And so we wanna have the ability to flex our attention, not based on maybe our, our uh, thoughts and feelings and pain and things like that, but to what matters most to us in that moment. And so um, we wanna both be uh, aware of like our, like be here now physically in the moment and then also mentally. Um, and so we kind of went into some of those already. Um, there is a, an exercise, we're not gonna do it, it's too involved uh, and time won't allow it. The dropping anchor exercise is a way to acknowledge inner experience, but then returning back to the body and engaging in the world. Um, I put it there uh, to give you an idea of what an act metaphor would be, but I don't want to go into that one today. Um, it's just a, a way of directing someone or yourself to kind of get into the moment. The next would be values and um, some people say know what matters, um, others say decide what matters, and I like that because it does speak to that, like, you get to decide. <laughs> it's up to you. This is about you. Um, and, and for me, I'm like, I don't know. Um, oh, but I can figure it out. So that's why you decide what matters to you. Um, like I said before, values are like a compass to guide, not the destination. You know, it's not like my value is to like, this is a, a weird example, but it just flew into my head. So I'm going to go with it. Like my value would not be, I want to be married. My value might be, I want connection or I value connection with others, you know, that kind of thing. So instead of the destination, like the marriage in that 
weird idea or weird um, scenario I came up with. You would think more about like what's under there though. What are the values guiding that? You want connection. You want to be someone who can express and receive love, you know, all those things that are underneath. Um, some questions that can help clarify values might be when you, this is a little cheesy sounding, but when you think of your short time on this planet, it's pretty short, the older you get, the shorter it seems. What do you want to stand for in life? What do you believe in? What do you, how do you want to treat people? How do you want to treat animals? How do you want to treat the world? What kind of person do you want to be? Um, and uh, another way to get at all of the different kinds of values we might have is look at it from uh, domains or categories, like, uh, values related to family, meaningful roles or work, um, or school, uh, relationships, fun, pleasure. There are probably other categories I don't list here. Um, but really honing in and figuring out um, what your inner compass is, like what it, what is it that is guiding you in your life um, can be just really help uh, with the momentum of, of engaging in behaviors that you want to um, used to get to where you want to go. And so then we get to committed action here. Do it what it takes. If there's any FSP people, you might have, might be familiar, whatever it takes, right? Um, so committed action is doing what it takes. It's values driven. So there's meaning and intention behind action and it's your own meaning and intention. So this is different from like, you know, my parents expect me to um, my boss made me do this, you know, like, oh, it's not about, um, it's not about, uh, you should do this, you should do that. It's, it's really about getting in touch with your values and having those drive what you're doing. Um, and these can be, these behaviors or actions can be physical or psychological. What we do with our bodies would be the physical. What we do with our inner world would be the psychological. And then the committed piece to me, um, that's how I understand it is a willingness to engage in action despite painful experiencing, it, painful experiences. So you're committed kind of like in our warm up. you stayed, you're still here. Um, even if it was uncomfortable and brought up painful feelings, uh, you, you're still here. And so you were willing to engage in the action despite uncomfortable, painful experiences. And so, uh, I put here understanding that diffusion helps us cope with the pain. And so uh, I believe diffusion is coming up next. So we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, so committed action can include goal setting, action planning, skills training, problem solving. When you're working with clients, this is like the objective, right? What you want your clients to be able to do. Um, and I'll link it to that in, more in a second. And then self is context. This is a little bit of a, I don't know, it can be a little bit more difficult to grasp, I suppose. I think I struggled at the beginning, um, but self is context is basically this, the noticing self. And, um, you know, I, I kind of put it simply here and then I'm gonna show you a quick video. Um, you're more than your thoughts and feelings. We are more than our thoughts and feelings. There's somebody else in there who experiences them, right? Um, you, the self, are the container of all of your internal experiences. And um, Russ is going to show us why, how life is like a stage show. Um, let me see, this is two minutes. Yeah, 
Okay, I'm going to give you the link for this one because we already did some of that before. It's pretty much the stage show metaphor from the warm up, but condensed and just focused on that metaphor. Okay, so diffusion uh, is a skill. Uh, uh, one of the other core processes that is about getting um, unhooked from your unwanted private experiences, feelings, sensations, urges, all those things. And so diffusion, it's a weird word. It'll have a red squiggly line underneath it if you type it. Like it's not, they made it up, um, I believe. Uh, but what it seeks to do is defuse the cognitive fusion. So cognitive fusion is a concept where um, we, it occurs when we allow our inner private experiences to dictate our actions. So, you know, I'm nervous that nobody likes me, so I'm not going to go to the party because they don't like me. That might be me following, just letting my mind be the boss, uh, letting my worry be the boss of me at the time. Um, and so, and that's, you know, this might be like, I don't go to the party, even though I know if I went, like, it would probably be good because then I could like maybe make some friends. But I don't know you still don't do it. Um, and it can look like repeating ineffective behavior. So if any of you have had a habit or a, I don't know if we wanna call it a habit, but you've engaged in behaviors routinely that aren't good for you, this is what we're doing. We're, uh, we're kind of maybe not, not thinking, um, we're too hooked into the, the negative painful experience and it's overshadowing everything else. And so diffusion is treating our thoughts just as thoughts. And as it says here, I said unhooking. So you kind of get hooked in and then you want to unhook. Um, and in order to do that, what you want to, the first thing we do is we notice that the, our mind as it's churning all these thoughts and feelings and sensations. Um, and you could do this by saying, instead of um, saying, oh, I, uh, and in your mind, instead of just letting them run amok, you can say to yourself, I notice that I'm thinking blank instead of I'm the worst. I notice that I'm thinking I'm the worst. When we do that, it creates space between the thought and you as yourself. And there's more to work with there than just kind of getting embedded in that feeling that I'm the worst or, or whatever your thought or your client's thought or whomever's thought might be. Uh, another technique for unhooking or defusing would be uh, to, I, on the right side here, I have in quotes, if you had to describe what that looks like, so you might ask yourself or a client or a friend, I've done it with friends, like if that feeling were a color, what would it be? If that feeling were in your body, where would it be? What, is there a temperature to it? Is it clear or opaque? How big is it? You know, really just trying to kind of look at the thought from a different angle. Um, so that's another technique that can be used. Um, and you're treating private experiences as what they are, products of the mind. And we're just kind of trying to untangle ourselves from our minds a little bit so that we understand that we are not in their control. In, um, our thoughts do not control us. There's an us there that gets to decide what we do. Uh, finally, breaking down illusion that can cause, that thoughts can cause action. So sometimes we have this like 
interesting way of thinking where someone said mind reading at one point that we can anticipate what other people think we uh that oh i know they hate me and so i'm not going to do anything um to you know like repair that relationship might that might be instead of um that might be playing into the illusion that your thoughts are right that you can trust your thoughts all the time which I don't know about you, but I cannot. Some of my thoughts are not very helpful. So those are the six core processes. Um, and then, so using ACT for enhanced well-being. So this is where I'm bringing what I talked about so far into, hopefully more into your own, um, how you can implement these in your life um, and work. So let's start with you because that's, where I started at the beginning. We want to start with ourselves and really embracing this. If you're into it, you know, if you're not, then that's totally fine too. We all need to uh, follow, take what works for us and leave what doesn't. So for us, evidence shows that training and act can reduce burnout in providers in healthcare, mental health, and other settings. So there's evidence for this. I have the articles linked or um, in the references and they're uh, referenced below. Um, values clarification on its own, not necessarily a part of ACT, as part of ACT is also associated with burnout reduction. Um, and so just participating in like uh, ACT training, uh, probably more extensive one than today, but it, participating in ongoing training and development in ACT can uh, help you feel more capable of continuing to do this work that matters to you. Um, and how we can use it once we've kind of uh, started to internalize ACT processes ourselves and practice them ourselves, we can model some of these skills with clients. So this is before you're using ACT with a client. You're just kind of using yourself as a model, right? So for example, you by doing hard things for or with clients, that's a values-driven action. If you are, if you can like keep your intention and all of that there, um, and you know that willingness, acceptance. If you're bringing all that spirit into working with your clients, that's going to make a, a big impression. Um, it's very different if someone is actively engaged in uh, doing these hard things for and with clients than kind of maybe. Uh, phoning it in, you know, kind of not feeling super connected to the work that can, I mean, those are symptoms of burnout. So um, being able to do this with clients can be helpful for them. Um, and then increasing own psychological flexibility in order to cope with work stressors, be more present, creative, hopeful with clients. Um, I believe that this is 100% true. Um, it's really, uh, ACT can be very helpful for dealing with ongoing stress and uh, anxiety. And there's a lot that uh, those emotions can do to us when we are working with clients who might have um, very concerning issues. Like a lot of things might come up that we're really worried about. And most people get into this profession because they care, uh, it, you know, in, in different ways, of course. But um, when we care so much for people, it's, a, it's heavy and it's hard. And so being able to uh, get into the values can help um, uh, protect us against um, kind of going back into autopilot when 
the pain of the experience of providing these services can be really difficult to manage. Um, oh, and then I had rainbow versus roadblock. That's just a, a fun little way to think about our clients. Do you see your client as a rainbow or roadblock? When we're in burnout, we might see them as roadblocks, uh, kind of getting in our way to getting work done for them. But what we want to strive for is seeing our clients as rainbows, um, where you can uh, just kind of be in awe and be curious and be just like excited, like, uh, I don't know what other words for rainbow I want to use right now, but there you go. Hopefully it made sense. And then you're asking, does ACT use worksheets? You can, there are plenty of worksheets available. Russ Harris's website in particular, he has a lot on values clarification. There's one on um, those, like that's where I got the DOTS acronym from. So yeah, they're really helpful. Okay, now with your client, so mindfulness grounding, contact with present moment exercises can be helpful depending on what's going on. Diffusion techniques, here are a couple other ones I just threw in there. And in goal setting, you can use reflective listening to get at what values are important to clients. Um, so I try to think of this like, you know, you have to do your paperwork with clients and what do we wanna figure out? Well, the values aren't gonna be the goal, but they're the compass, um, which I've said 5 million times today. Um, but I, I think it's helpful to think about it as uh, connected to the action. And then the action is kind of like the objective in your treatment plan. Uh, so embed client values and developing client objectives. Objectives are like committed action, what client does to progress towards goals. All right, here's some resources for continued learning. Thank you so much. Um, I want to point out that uh, I love all of these books. The second one was a little dense uh, for me. So I started with Act Made Simple and it made it better. If anyone else might want that. Treating psychosis is really great uh, because it includes ACT methods and other third wave uh, behavioral therapy methods. Um, and has a lot of great skills for working with psychosis. And then The Happiness Trap is really uh, like a self-help book um, from Russ Harris, and I really liked it. Um, I think it could be a great uh, intro to ACT if you are, um, if you, yeah, if you're more curious and kind of want to start with like that level. I don't always feel good jumping right into the like training manual. So to me, it made sense to do it that way. Uh, and then for training, I've gotten my training primarily from Praxis. Um, I just listed some of the trainings that um, I've done. I've done, is there an Act 3? I think there is. I've done Act 1, Act 2, and the boot camp. And then they have some other uh, Act for specific issues. And currently they have some online uh, courses. So I'm currently uh, doing an ACT immersion course, which is online, which is really cool. It's Stephen Hayes. So, um, and then ACBS is a great resource. If you do go to one of their trainings, you can get free membership for a year, um, but they have tons of resources to use, worksheets, group curricula, training guides, like it's just a free for all. <laughs> and I always want people to know. So, I mean, but you have to join and pay a membership. So I guess it's not free, but it can be if you go to a training paid by your office. All right, that is it from me. Here's my references. Thank you.